You all have the privilege of joining me this morning in a brand new series. We're starting out a four-week series on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. We know it's timely. We know it's necessary. And before we all jump back into school or our routines or we, we soar off to basic training or wherever God is taking you this fall, we know he's got big things in store, but... Uh, there is an enemy out there. There's a reality that you will be opposed if you are seeking to praise the one that we just sang about. And I understand that we can feel a little bit weird when we talk about the supernatural, especially in our Western culture and our mindset. Sure, maybe maybe in Africa or in, in some of those uh, poorer countries of the world, they, they make a big deal about spiritism and animism and, and evil spirits, but not us. We're civilized. You know, in the Western world, we, we've evolved out of that thinking. What we see and what we touch is, is all that there is, right? Is that kind of how we, unless we want to go see a good horror movie, right? The Terrifier 2 or Insidious or something. Now, okay, paranormal. Now, you know, it's entertaining. It's, it makes for good entertainment. But there is a reality that the Bible teaches us, not my opinion, Maybe, maybe it's an opinion of yours, but that doesn't make it binding. The fact that God's word tells us that God's kingdom includes much more than just what we see with our eyes. We believe in God, right? He's a, he's a spirit being. We, we don't see him right now with our eyes, but he is real and he exists. And if there is, thank God, a heavenly father looking over us and we trust and believe in, then you at least have to acknowledge that it is a logical possibility that there could be other spirit beings that you do not see and that exist and that are at work. So in this series, what we're going to unpack week by week is what is the warfare that's going on? Who are we fighting or who wants to fight us? What are we fighting? Like what are the actual weapons that are being used? And then how do we fight? The spiritual armor that the Bible talks about. What, what is that? How do I use that? Are we assured of this victory uh, in this warfare around us? My main point this morning that we get from Ephesians chapter 6. And I invite you to turn there. And if you're new with us for the first time this morning, I welcome you. I'm thankful you're here. Uh, but I don't want the reason that you, that you stick around to be just because the, uh, the coffee's good, if, if you think it's good, I, I, I think it's good, uh, or, or because, you know, this is a cozy, fun church growing up. We hope that you stay because the Word of God is taught here. We want to we wanna feed your soul straight from God's mouth. It's not just my opinion or my thoughts or what, what catches my fancy lately, although I am reading a really good book on spiritual warfare, and I can recommend that to you. This is the book that we need. This is the book that's going to feed our souls. And Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, tells us you've got to have a biblical understanding of the invisible war going on around us. You've got to be aware of it. It's so important to our life and our Christian walk. It's not just what we see or what we feel. It's what goes on around us. So let me read these verses for us, and I invite you to follow along in that book of the New Testament. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
If you're a Christian this morning, in other words, you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's not just words on a page or something you heard growing up in church. But this is your faith. Is your Savior Jesus. And you need to understand that you are at war. There's an invisible war going on around you. That the front lines of this war is being fought over the human soul. But that believers can be assured we have victory in Jesus Christ. There's an invisible war around us. Be aware of its reality. Know that this war is being fought for your soul. But rest assured, if you are a believer, a child of God, your victory is in Jesus Christ. Okay, so the reality of an invisible war. There it is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, what does he mean? Of course we wrestle against flesh and blood. You probably wrestled with flesh and blood on your way here, in traffic. That nemesis, that nemesis that keeps dogging you, riding your tail or petting in front, is probably Donnie, okay? We take that up with him afterwards. We do wrestle against flesh and blood. We do have that neighbor that's always throwing junk over on our side of the property. You've got that antagonist at, at your work. So what's going on here? He's saying it's not just against flesh and blood. That person next to you is not your ultimate enemy. There's a bigger picture. There's something you're not seeing here. And, and a movie is not going to give you the best indication of that. We do some, some Hollywood dramatization with that. But what does the Bible teach us? Well, Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Now, most of the creative narrative follows creation on earth we say, okay sun moon and stars but that's that's really all that we're told the drama happens on earth this is where the big stuff this is where man and woman is created we're not told when god creates spirit beings what did god create spirit beings first these these um uh, angels or or psalm 82 calls them the the god's lowercase g elohim which if you're wondering, wait, is Elohim God's name? Yes, in the capital E, El Elohim. He is God of gods. He is the, the spirit from which all things come. But he also created lesser spirit beings. There's no competition. <laughs> he is great creator, but they're not human. They're not just like us. They don't have a body just like us. They are spirit beings. Job 38 calls them sons of God or morning stars. It also tells us that they shouted for joy at creation. So at some point in creation, in those six days or, or right before, God created the heavens part of creation. Before he did his work down here, because they are witnesses. They didn't help create anything. Jesus alone created, but uh, or God the Son created, but rather they, they are joyful witnesses. But they're there. Scripture tells us that they are angels, which means messengers. They do God's bidding. They do God's working. They are happy to serve at his pleasure, or at least that's what they were created for. They were created for ultimate joy and peace and satisfaction, knowing their purpose in a relationship to a holy and perfect God. But there was a rebellion because they are beings. They have a will. They have a mind. It's just something else that's, it's impossible, or not impossible, but it's so hard for me to imagine people who are like us, but they're not us because they're spirit beings, but they did have a will, and they were led by a chief angel 
to revolt against God's good, gracious rulership. They ascended themselves. There was a pride found in them, so they were cast down. We're going to learn more about them next week, but you need to know that they're led by the adversary, the slanderer, the deceiver, the evil serpent. All of those names are names of Satan. And you'll notice he's not really referred to by his given name. It might be Lucifer. Some people think it's Lucifer from Isaiah 14. We don't know for sure. But it's so true that anything that the evil one does, it, it only exists in contrast to God. Because Satan can't create anything. Satan, Satan can't rule over you. All he can do is manipulate and twist what God has created. Because God is ruler overall. So Paul warns us in Ephesians chapter 6, he's writing to a church at Ephesus that had struggles and ups and downs and had some, some, um, some, some uh, uh, questions about the spiritual warfare. He says, you don't wrestle just against flesh and blood. There's whole host of things going on here. These rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers. So you can see there's even kind of a hierarchy or a system in this rebellion. It's not just you know, they're relaxing by the beach. The demons and the host of evil with Satan are working against the plans and the kingdom of God. Wrestling. Just like you would picture on, on TV or if you're at a wrestling match. We have any wrestlers in here? Or for those who have wrestled, you know all about this, right? Grappling, trying to get the upper hand. They can't destroy you, right? Only, only God has the power of life and death in his tongue. But they can trip. They can try to throw us, right? They can try to spin us and pin us on our back, try to immobilize us. And I wanted to give just a couple examples from Scripture of when uh, a, a child of God is just looking at what's in front of him, not aware of this whole battle going on around. Here's two examples. One is in Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. Daniel sees a vision from God, and it scares him, and he wants to know the meaning of it, and so he prays, God, make it clear to me. And he prays day after day after day, three weeks, and God gives him no clarity on it. And he's like, what on earth? Is God not hearing my prayer? And then a messenger comes from God. An angel appears to him and says, the moment that you asked for help, God sent me. But you know what held me up for three weeks? I was in a battle. Here's what he says. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the chief angels, came to help me because I was left there with the kings, plural, of Persia. So right there. Does that just blow your mind? You mean that the demons have a hierarchy, that there's, there's regions of control, and when God sends a message with his word, they're going to oppose it with all that they've got. God could have sent Michael right away on day one, but he allowed the battle to continue for a reason, and I think part of that was to show Daniel, this is what it's like in my kingdom every single day. But we get up in the morning, we get ready for work, we go to work, we eat our lucky charms, totally oblivious that there's an enemy wanting to pounce on you and God's angels are working they're protecting God is sovereignly working all things together for good here's another example 2 Kings 6 
verses 15 through 17, there's a servant of the man of God, and he is with uh, Elisha, Elisha the prophet, and they're standing on the city walls, and the enemy has them surrounded. This is back in the times of Israel with the kings, and so sometimes your, phys- your physical enemies were your enemies. You could see them. They had swords. They want to take your head off. Okay, so it's terrifying that they have this enemy surrounding them, and he is panicking. He says, alas, my master. I don't know if you say alas when you're stressed out. There's other words that I'm tempted to use. Um, whatever words that is, we know that panic moment. Alas, my master, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them surrounding us. That makes no sense. Because no, physically, that is not true. So Elisha prays and he says, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he can see what I know to be true. Then Elisha prays, The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain around them, the mountain range, was full of horses and chariots of fire. They might have us surrounded, but you know who's got them surrounded? You know who's watching out for us? It's not time to panic yet. When God takes his hands off the controls, that's when we should all panic. But all of this warfare is happening under his supervision, but it's invisible to the naked eye, so you've got to be aware of it. And Paul tells us you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How do you fight an enemy you can't see? How do you fight an enemy that tries to tempt and, and mess with your mind and use the world and the, and the evil of this world to influence how we think and how we do and how we walk? You can't fight him on your own. It's not a fair fight. That's why we have the Holy Spirit within us. The one spirit who has power over all. The spirit who created life. The spirit who sustains life. So yeah, it's not a fair fight. Because we've been given more than enough to be able to handle the schemes of the devil. But that's a warning to us. Because I know Sunday morning, it's a little bit easier maybe to think holy thoughts and we're going to church and we're going to worship together. I'm going to get my church on and we're starting the day off great. But then what do we do on Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. By the end of Friday, are we way further away from our walk with Jesus than we were at the start of the week? Every day is a new day to claim a victory for Jesus. Every day is a battle, but every day is a day to plant a flag and say, King Jesus reigns here. I love him. I want to know him more. I want him to work through me. And I resist the temptations of the world because it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Jesus is better. (laughs) 24-7. And the church is the army of Christ on this earth. In fact, one theologian, his name is John Gill. Gil Hooley? Gil Hooley. There we go. He says spiritual warfare, the term, it's used as an, uh, to define the ongoing battle between the church and the devil and his angels. The church of Christ, his precious bride, is the object of all of the enemy's wrath. He hates us. He really hates He hates what's going on right here this morning. You know what? He can't do a thing about it, and that drives him nuts. He can't do a thing about the work that God is doing in your life. That's from above. That's not from. All he can do is manipulate. 
All you can do is try to twist and deceive. And we'll look at next week. What are some of the tactics that he uses that we need to be aware of? But living hope, we have the Holy Spirit of God on our side. We have the Word of God as our sword in front of us. We're a new church launching out in a sea of darkness. And you need to be aware that there's a war going on around us. It's not like you stepped into this war because you came on board with living hope. It's already been going on. But I assure you, being a part of a new church that's taking ground for Jesus, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it if you haven't already. But you know what? We're okay. (laughs) We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the grace of God. And how we'll move forward is by the grace of God. I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons we chose North Sarasota is because if you look at a map, there are churches all over Bradenton, Sarasota. But not many right in the middle where the two cities meet. And we said, you know what? We feel like there should be a gospel preaching church here. There are a couple, but are there many? Is there a tangible presence of the kingdom of God advancing here? We want to see it expand. We want to see Jesus take ground here. And you will sense the warfare. Lacey and I have sensed the warfare, but it's beautiful fighting in the name of Jesus. It's beautiful seeing him answer prayers. So armor up. We've got to be prepared for this battle 24-7. And I also want to encourage us as a church. It's easy to get distracted or divided or discouraged. Or maybe you start fighting flesh and blood people. Family drama. You know, if there's people in your life that are just tearing you down and you just want to fight them. You want to use your energy. You want to go on social media and just start blasting that restaurant that served your meal cold and there was a hair in it. And like, We just use our energy with a lot of different fights. But can I encourage us? Let's conserve our energy for the fight that matters. God put you here for a reason. The battles that you're fighting matter if it is for God's glory and if it is according to his word and according to what he created before, using your gifts and abilities to serve the kingdom. So don't stay up till 2 a.m. just scrolling on the internet and then you wake up exhausted the next day, your guard's down, you skip your Bible reading because you got to rush out the door and get ready for school. Armor up. Be ready for this fight and pray for your family. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for our church. Because things are just heating up, and this is where we get to see God work a victory. Here's the second thing we see in Ephesians 6. The front lines of the battle is for the human soul. It's not for the beaches. It's not, it's not for the moon. Although I'm sure the, the demons would love to rule the moon if they could. But the front lines of the battle is the human soul. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. We reflect his glory on this earth, we were created to extend his kingdom on this earth, to be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve were created perfectly in the garden, and their work was to advance the interests of the kingdom of God all around the world, to create worshipers and fill the earth with it. And wouldn't you know it, in Genesis 3, that's where the enemy decides to center his attack. But I'll tell you about a a book that I think you all should read. And I actually was introduced to it as as a young child. It was this big illustrated book of it. Many of you have heard of Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. I think the most popular Christian book, uh, most copies published of all time. Yes, you know Pilgrim's Progress. Maybe you've seen the video. If you haven't watched it, you guys should watch it. Pilgrim's Progress. Really good. But John Bunyan wrote another book called The Holy War. And in this story that he's telling... He describes spiritual warfare for a city called Man's Soul. And Man's Soul was created by Shaddai. 
in this story. El Shaddai, name for God, of course. And here's the thing about man's soul. This city is secure. The walls are secure. No one is getting in this city, but there are five gates to the city of man's soul. The eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the mouth gate, and the feel gate. And, and John Bunny tells a story. This city is impregnable unless the citizens of man's soul can be seduced by the enemy and they let down the gate. Then the enemy can come in and can mess with them. So this is the story that he's telling, and it's a parable. It's an allegory for what we, what we uh, have going on right here. But I found that interesting because, you know, it's not the people of man's soul that can fight for themselves. It's not their clever weaponry that's going to win the day. It's their trust in the creator and in his sovereign will and his care and his provision to ignore the lies of the enemy. Sinful humans cannot fight for themselves. In fact, the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short of God's glory. We are dark. Psalm 82 tells us, that those who are uh, fighting this battle against the, the sons of God, the evil ones, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk in darkness themselves. We were born in darkness, which means we don't know what is right and what is wrong. I mean, we have a conscience, but to listen to the voice of God and to do his will and to please him, that is something we're not born implanted in us. We want to please ourselves. We want to be the ruler of our lives. That's what happened when the serpent is talking to Eve in the garden, and he's talking to her about what God has said, the voice of God. Does anyone think it's interesting that there's a serpent talking to Eve and she's not weirded out that whole time? I mean, I, I've seen some ladies around just regular serpents sliding through the, sliding through the grass. But talking to you... I think that's because back in the beginning, it wasn't weird to have the supernatural and the natural interacting. That's how God made it. It was good. It was beautiful. And Eve was innocent, but you have this cunning enemy come in and say, you know what? You don't have to listen to God. You can be like him. You can do whatever you want. Here, take this fruit that's good for the eyes. Taste it. Put down your gate. Enjoy that fruit. She did, and so did Adam. And it plunged the whole city of man's soul into darkness. And it's what we call original sin. Ever since the beginning, we're born in that darkness, which means that humans are not the answer to our own problems. It also means that this new age idea that people are born spiritually neutral is a myth. It's not you're born good, or you know you, you can choose to be good, or you can choose to be evil. You can choose to make decisions that, that make for a, a better life, and you might be better than a lot of mass murderers and people on this earth, but to be born in a right relationship with God, we are not neutral in that battle. We've already chosen the enemy's side. We choose the way of pride, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And because of that, the Bible says that we are actually slaves to that. We're pinned, and we're not getting off that mat. Here's what God did. Here's the warfare. God the Son comes down and he fights for us. This is the story of redemption. 
when you thought humanity was gone, oh, we're way past redeeming. And Satan has us in his clutches, and we're children of darkness, and we're, 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 we're playing with demons. You go back to Genesis 6, and you see the, the devastation that put on our planet. God made a promise in Genesis 3.15. He says, Satan, you might, have, you might have twisted some things here. You know what? I am going to crush your head. I'm going to strike the killer blow. You're done. It's already been planned out. I already know what I'm going to do. You're already reeling from this. You can go ahead and crawl on your belly in the dust. But a son of Eve will come and crush the head of the snake. If you hold your place here and you go over to the, the book of Matthew, it's the first gospel account in the New Testament, you find this weird story in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted by Satan. You ever found that story weird? I want to learn about Jesus' miracles. I want to learn about his message. Why this conversation with the serpent? What does that have to do with anything? Well, because God the Son came and took on human flesh. He is the new Adam. So it's like Eden revisited. And all the hosts of heaven are watching this conversation in the desert as Satan tries his best to get the Son of Man to lift down his gates and to sneak an attack in there and to corrupt the Son of God in human form. Who's going to win that battle? Even after 40 days without food or water, there's no one around helping him. There's wild animals that are seeking for his life. There's no way Jesus has any strength to do anything, and yet he still picks up that sword. That sword that's going to crush the serpent, which is the word of God. And with it, he resists Satan three times. And who flees? It's not Jesus. It's Satan. And then you see Jesus go and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. It's good news. It's freedom for everyone who is held in bondage. Because we have a new sheriff in town. The perfect son of God. Who said no to Satan. Yes to God. He is our deliverer. He's the one we've been looking for. He's our rescuer and our champion. So I want to be with him. I put my faith in him. And if you're not sure if he can handle demonic forces, well, there's 52 references to demonic possession in the Gospels. Jesus takes care of that. You ever wonder why so many people are getting possessed by demons around Jesus? Spiritual warfare. Satan's trying to distract, to divide, to scare, to discourage and Jesus just has to say the word, and they're gone. They have to ask Jesus for permission. Where are we going to go? Can we go into that, that herd of pigs over there? Okay, fine. You can go in that herd of pigs over there. Jesus totally commands these demons because he's showing he is the stronger man than Satan. God's kingdom will advance. Colossians 2.15 tells us he disarmed the rulers. He disarmed the authorities, and he put them to shame by triumphing over them. And ultimately, he did that on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. By his perfect obedience to the will of God, by offering up his perfect life, we can find life in him. We can get up off the mat. We've been raised to new life. We've been given a living hope for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And we repent for betraying him in the first place. We are the rebels. We need the saving. So friends, this morning, 
when you look at your life plan, when you look at your calendar and your priorities and your relationships, do any of them have anything to do with the kingdom of God? Do they prioritize the kingdom of God? Or would you say you're a Christian, but most of your 9 to 5 or your, or your evening life or your morning life, it really doesn't look any different than if you weren't in a war for the soul. You're not seeking to advance the kingdom of God. You're not trying to glorify God in all areas of your life. We need to shake off that earthly mindset and see things from God's perspective. If he's on the throne of your heart, then his kingdom interest should be our kingdom interest. Do with that what you will, but maybe you need to write down some ways in which this week, how do I put the kingdom interest first? First thing you're going to start off the day or first thing when I get off work. Here's what we do. And here's the final point. Because the gospel assures that we have the victory. The gospel assures that we have the victory for those who are in Jesus. So live like it. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't just, you know, grab one piece of armor on your way out the door. Armor up every day because you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are not under his submission anymore. We can stand. We have been saved. We have been raised to new life. We've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's our identity. He's our, he's our, our, our right hook and our left jab. Jesus is everything, and he equips us head to toe. But for you and I, how many times have we failed this past week in this battle, if we're honest? And maybe you didn't even realize it was a failure until you got in here this morning and you're starting to see things, how God sees them. Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't handle that well at all. Or I was only thinking about myself and my needs in that moment, not what God was trying to do. God, forgive me. And I want to encourage you from the life of Simon Peter. Peter, who's always running his mouth. And he's impulsive. And he just says what he's thinking. I want to share two fails from Peter's life to encourage you what God continues to do because the gospel gives us victory. So Simon's talking to Jesus in Matthew 16, and he says, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. So he gets an A on his homework. That's good. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, your confession, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And they rode off into the sunset and lived happily ever after. And Peter never doubted again. Actually, just a couple verses later, I want to share this interaction with you. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that I must go to Jerusalem to suffer. I've got to suffer many things. I've got to be killed by the chief priests and the scribes and then on the third day be raised up. I have to. This is how I conquer the serpent. This is how I set you free. And Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. He tries to put Jesus in a lower place. He says, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. For you are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of of man. How would you be feeling if you were in Peter's sandals? Jesus just called you Satan. He tells you to get behind him. Jesus wasn't 
actually calling Peter Satan. He's not saying you're possessed by the devil. What he is saying is that that mentality is why I have to be here. You think you don't need a savior. You think the cross is silly. Blood and death and sacrifice, far be it. No, Jesus, just come down and set up your kingdom now. We'll take the kingdom without the crown of thorns. Do you not realize how you have betrayed the Most High God? You don't understand how wicked your sin really is. That one thought, that one impulse, that one action, oh, that's not that big a deal, and not a lot of people know about it, and that's, forgive me, it's not that big a deal. It's betrayal. It's treason against the Most High King. And because he's a just God, there has to be a payment for that. And jail is not enough. You're not going to heaven. You can't be made perfect unless someone takes your place and takes the traitor's death. And here's that perfect son of God, our champion, saying, I'm taking it. Because it's the only way to lift you all up with me in the kingdom of heaven. We need him. We need the cross. So Peter said, we don't need that, Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. But isn't it amazing how God views Peter after that? You can totally get the spiritual warfare thing wrong. You can even, like, I didn't understand how, how deep my sin was, but I believed in Jesus, and God works with you. God feeds the hungry soul. He opens your eyes to the truth. This truth will set you free. Because the gospel has the final word. The gospel gives us victory. And we struggle. And we get disoriented. And we get aggravated. Why is the battle so intense? Why does it seem like our, our, our family issues are continually just like spiraling out of control? And why are the finances you know, doing this? And why am I struggling with this temptation over here? God shows so much grace to us. If he can show patience even towards Satan and his demons, how much more patience does he show to the ones that he loves? And the ones who follow him and hear his voice. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And just a closing thought with you, and I'll, I'll be done. I think that really the best defense in our spiritual warfare is a good offense. We don't need to go out and start Googling, what's the names of the demons? You know, or, or what, what magical spells and incantations will keep them at bay? You know, the Bible says actually stay away from sorcery, stay away from witchcraft. That's of the evil one. What is of the one who's above? <laughs> it's the word of God. So love God with your whole heart, mind, and strength. Everything else will be taken care of. Listen to the voice of God, and you won't believe the lies of the evil one. You know that there's an invisible warfare going on around you. But God's the one who's in control of that. So why not lean on him and trust him and love him and walk with him? He doesn't need a bunch of superstars. He doesn't need a bunch of people casting out tons of demons. He just wants some humble servants who are going to trust him and walk with him and watch him do amazing and powerful things through him. We're already seeing it. We see it all around us right here, what God is doing. And, you know, maybe you feel like a rock star. Maybe you don't. But I can just tell you, compared to Jesus, we're not. Just will you give him your heart? Will you give him your mind? Will you give him access to your life? 
Will you look to share his hope with others so that they can be set free from the work of the evil one? They don't even know that they're captive. They don't even know where they're going. Who is going to shine a light for them? May God establish this church. May he establish each of you all because you know he's already fought and won the victory for you. So walk in that victory this week. Let's pray.